Alright, we here at Marvel need to come up with a brand new Cracker Jack Spider-Man story. It needs to be different. Oh, I'll get the dice. No, not this time. I don't need it. We need completely off-the-wall genre conventions. We should do a western. Um, boss, maybe we should try something like horror- I just thought of it. Horror! That's perfect! Now what kind of horror homages can we put in here? Uh, let me think, uh... The sewer stuff from It? It? No, no. Too pedestrian. Uh, I'm still gonna put that in there. Oh, I know we can, uh... Um, Some body horror? Like stuff from The Fly? The Fly? Dear heavens, no. Y you know, spiders eat flies, right? It would never work. Yeah, that's, uh, still going in. I've got it! It's perfect! Oh, great! We'll do Carrie! Okay, okay, that sounds perfect. We'll use the best jump moment. We'll... Turn Spider-Man psychic! And when he least suspects it, J. Jonah Jameson is going to cover him in pig's blood. Oh, no. You don't like it? Well, it's not that. It's just... Couldn't we have the visual of Spider-Man's hand coming up out of a grave? Seriously? Well, if you insist, call up the crew. We'll need to draw mock-ups and... Talk about comics! Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our very first episode of Craven's Last Hunt. Yes, we decided that we were going to do a Spider-Man story with the same author and the same artist. But it goes through three titles, so it counts. Hey, I am going to hopefully make some pretty strong arguments that having the same writer and artist on a crossover throughout the entire crossover is a really solid move. Well, I suppose that a, at least a solid portion of the ones that we've already read have that anyway. Same writer and artist. Secret Wars. Flashpoint. Not Phalanx Covenant. No, but each individual story, I suppose, did. And no, not, that's not true. Not Battle of the Atom. Not Battle of the Atom. Crisis on Infinite Earths had that. So, it seems like the earlier ones. Yeah. Although, War of the Realms just concluded, and that had the same team throughout. It was incredible. Right, but it was its own title. It didn't cross between No, it was, it was an event rather than a, right. than a crossover, per right. se. So... Well, yeah, an event having the same author or the same writer and artist you would expect. That happens less than you'd think. <laughs> really? Really. Really? Really. Well, I feel like it did this crossover very good. And I guess we should we should qualify why we are calling it a crossover rather than just an event. Or even like who these this one features. Um, this is a Spider-Man crossover. Yes. It crossed over between the... Three of the Spider-Man, I think all of the Spider-Man titles that were going at once. Yeah. Web of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, and Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. You know, I know this guy gets a lot of titles, but, like, 
I have so many characters I would kill to just have one title. Nope. In the 80s, he got three. He got three. Right now, he has two. Right now, he has two. Well, before we go any further or get into summarizing these three issues, because we're covering the first three of the six that make up this crossover event, we have some people to thank. Yes, we need to thank our newest supporters on Patreon. It has been a bit since we've recorded, so we actually have quite a chunk. These are the people who went to www.patreon.com slash Chris's on Infinite Earths and contributed a dollar or more to our podcast and we'll get lots of neat rewards as time goes on but their first reward comes right now as we thank them Mm -hmm. so the first person we're going to thank is ethan richardson thank you ethan ethan is a great friend of the show and you may also i'm not positive when the episode is going to be dropping but you can hear chris and i on an episode of ethan's podcast meeple skills coming up sometime here in july where we talk all about comics board games that's true and our next patron from patreon is trent seeley thank you trent and our final patron is our very good friend charlie davis mm-hmm, who you have heard on this show before assuming you are a longtime listener thank you charlie mm-hmm And if you would like to be like these three fabulous friends of the show, as well as our other patrons, uh, head on over to Patreon and, 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 and join us. Yes. Join our exclusive club. Our, our koi pond, if you will. (laughs) You said it, not me. (laughs) All right. Are you ready to get into today's summary? Yeah. Summary. Web of Spider-Man, number 31. Written by J.M. DeMattis. Penciled by Mike Zeck. Inked by Bob McCloud. Colored by Janet Jackson, Bob Sharon, and Mike Zeck. Lettered by Rick Parker. And edited by Jim Salakrep. Craven the Hunter broods in his sitting room, lamenting the loss of honor and dignity from the world, but also his soon-to-be occurring death. However, he isn't finished with life yet. He needs to defeat our hero. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, clad in the black costume of this era, is a lot more noir than usual. No jokes now as he attends the bar funeral of Joe Face, a street snitch who used to sometimes give Spider-Man information. The attendees of said funeral are pretty shocked when the wall crawler drops in, and even more shocked when he drops a wad of bills to pay for a coffin and a plot. Spidey is still grieving the loss of an old friend, Ned Leeds, and isn't in a great headspace. Meanwhile, and throughout this issue, a man digs a grave. Spidey heads back to his apartment, musing upon mortality, and he leaves a spider he finds alive on his wall before turning out the light. Meanwhile, Craven, completely naked, immerses himself in thousands of spiders, even eating them to, um, gain their strength? It's gross. Peter awakens in terror, accidentally swatting the spider on his wall in a moment of panic. He begins to go on patrol to clear his head, only to be struck by a poison dart. Craven has arrived. Spidey begins to hallucinate the ghost of Joe Face while trying to come to his senses that it is in fact Craven. In his drugged state, Spider-Man is easily captured in a net by the hunter. 
Craven usually tends to capture Spider-Man or resort to his brute strength, but not this time. While Spidey spits humor at the Russian hunter, Craven raises his rifle and pulls the trigger. We cut to the man digging the grave and finally see who's in the coffin. It's the dead body of Spider-Man. Craven looks remorseful for a second, only for a sick grin to cross his face as the same man from before, a servant of Craven, buries the coffin. Amazing Spider-Man number 293, written by J.M. DeMattis, penciled by Mike Zeck, inked by Bob McLeod, colored by Janet Jackson, lettered by Rick Parker, and edited by Jim Salakrup. As Craven continues to gloat over the grave of Spider-Man, there is evil afoot below the city of New York, as a woman is kidnapped off the street and dragged into the sewer by Vermin, a creepy crawly villain with a taste for people. Oh, jeez. Vermin sees Spider-Man in a newspaper and remembers that Spidey and Captain America teamed up the last time he was defeated. Vermin seems terrified of Spider-Man, but is working through his fear as the issue progresses. Mary Jane is wondering where the heck her husband is, eek, and in her agitated state beats a rat to death with a shoe. It's pathos all around here. Craven, wearing Spider-Man's costume, leaps around the city before deciding he isn't fully the spider yet and decides to take one of his herb potions, which causes him to hallucinate a giant spider creature, which he battles to, um, gain its power. He also seems really mad at communists for crushing his father, who was a Russian aristocrat. Mary Jane goes for a walk in a futile effort to find Spider-Man, only to have to blow off some gross cat collars who follow and accost her. Craven seems to be losing against the spider of his own making as he tries to work through his fear of the spider. Right before the cat collars can do anything too awful to MJ, Spider-Man swoops in and brutally beats the gross dudes, which shocks Mary Jane. As Craven, guess he succeeded after all, swings away, MJ realizes that it isn't her Peter. Meanwhile, Vermin has gotten over his fear of the surface and Spider-Man, and crawls out of the sewer to find something to eat. Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 131, with the same credits as the last issue. Craven, still dressed as Spidey, interrupts a meeting of heroin distributors, brutally beating them, in some cases to death. Two detectives enter the scene, only to argue over how correct this newfound brutal streak is. Meanwhile, Vermin is still stalking the streets, snatching and possibly eating a woman, before being accosted by some police. He brutally beats the male police officer, including using his rat control powers to sick a horde of rodents on him. The other police officer, a woman, stuns Vermin with a gunshot, only to have him grab and lick her. Apparently, she reminds him of his mother. Gross! He then runs off into the night. This is yucky! Mary Jane visits the editor of the Daily Bugle, Robbie Robertson, seeking some possible insight into Peter's whereabouts. However, she worries about revealing anything about Peter's identity and leaves with barely a word. Craven, having heard the reports of the cannibal killer stalking the streets, goes out in search of vermin after what seems like to be some form of psychic intimidation. Craven thinks that this is his final test to defeat vermin. Vermin wakes up from a bad dream in the sewers, only to be caught by Craven, who is still pretending to be some, uh, superior Spider-Man. 
Vermin believes he can beat this new Spider-Man since the last time it took Spidey and Cap to beat him. However, Craven, who does what he feels like Peter could never do, absolutely wrecks Vermin, only to drag his body from the sewer back into the world above. The entire issue, however, more and more spiders have been crawling around the fresh grave of Spider-Man until the last shot of the issue, a costumed hand bursts forth from the dirt with the thought caption of, Mary Jane? All right, Chris. So these first three issues of Craven's Last Hunt. What do you think? What are your impressions? I like it. I think it's very well done. I am not a horror fan, but I can appreciate horror done well. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like that you can see it and go, this isn't for me, but well crafted. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I kind of hate the treatment of women and they, they're just victims in this Entire... Very much so. Vermin only seems to grab ladies. Uh-huh. Like, he doesn't want to eat the cop. He just wants the cop to die. Yep, the and then cop. he licks the lady cop, but doesn't eat her. Because mama. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that I think is my biggest and only real gripe about this. Like, even as someone who is not a fan of horror, I can recognize that this is amazingly done. And can we compliment the lettering? I think we can. Oh, uh, it was perfect. We got to get we got to give big ups to Rick Parker. The lettering does a ton in this comic, more than in a lot of other comics we've read. Mhm. Yeah. Um and before we get too much further just on the general craft, we've encountered this artist before, Mike Zack, who drew the entirety of Secret Wars. Mhm. There is just a, something a lot different about this. Well, I mean... The lines aren't quite as defined and clean. Mm-hmm. The Now, the, uh, the color work definitely adds quite a bit to it. So, again, Janet Jackson doing a great job with those moody colors. Kind of washed out tones. And everything's just a little bit gray. And this particular era of Spider-Man has the black costume still. Yes, which we saw introduced when we covered Secret Wars. However, this is the, a different costume. Wait, this is a different black suit than we want the one we saw in Secret Wars, not like two years prior to this? Correct. So. Okay. All right. You, buck, buckle up, Christy. I just I just thought, I was like, oh, I'm ahead of the curve here. I, I know exactly where this black suit came from. So as you know, that black suit was not a suit. Right. It's a symbiote. It's the symbiote. Right. By this point in continuity, the symbiote had been driven off because oh. it was trying to take over Peter. Oh, okay. So that had already happened. I thought we were just still biding our time on that thing. No. Okay. And Black Cat gifted Spider-Man with a knit version or a, a, a cloth version or, I don't know, a, a non-living material right. version okay. of the suit. And that is what Spider-Man is wearing. Oh, good to know. Yes. Okay. I looked it up because I was like, this can't still be the Venom suit, right? Because Craven just kind of puts it on. Well, well I mean, Spider-Man's he's... still in one. It's like Craven has another one. Like, he's gotten 
I mean, cause look at, <laughs> like, look at Craven's size. There's no way he was fitting what Peter Parker was wearing. I, I just want to imagine that Craven had a tailor who would, like, take pictures from afar of Spider-Man and be <laughs> like, man, I just really got to nail that back piece with the legs. And, oh, boy, I'm, I'm you know, I really got to get this right. <laughs> yes. Oh. But you can... Craven has a whole team of of seamstresses. I mean, he has a whole entourage of servants at his beck and call, it seems. He's got, like, like Dave, who's like... I want to know who harvested the spiders. Yeah, because there's a ton of them. I mean, bet Craven didn't do it. No. <laughs> just imagine a bunch of people just out in the woods, just, like, scooping some spiders up. and. How many do we have? Ten. How many do we need? 10,000? Oh, jeez. It's going to be a long day. <laughs> Craven has the most weird requests for his gophers. Make Spider-Man suit. Get 10,000 spiders. Begin to dig grave. And then he has, like, his potions or whatever that he supposedly takes. Because in, in the text, like, I feel like normally in comics... They don't throw in your face, like, the weird things about continuity that would make somebody super old. But they're totally like, yeah, Craven's like, 70. Yeah, he's very old. And his strength comes from the, the potions and stuff, too. But what's what's super awesome about this comic is you basically don't have to know anything about Craven And, like, a little bit about Spider-Man to just, like, completely jump in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is totally standalone on its uh, on its own event, which you can really tell that J.M. DeMattis and Mike Zeck had been a duo for years and years. They'd been working on Cap. Like, they... Right. And I'm just like, yep, Spider-Man story. Yeah. Although, what's wild is J.M. DeMattis tried to pitch this to DC as a completely different story, like, several times. Because he did horror stuff for DC originally. That's how he started his, right. his career. If you can't tell, J.M. DeMattis is good at horror stuff. Right. This was, but he, seemed like the story that he was meant to tell. He literally pitched the concept of the one word of where ex-superhero's hand comes forth from the grave. Oh. I think there was, for a while, it was supposed to be a Batman story with the Joker... I can totally see that. Right. But then they're like, no, the Joker's in use. And I can't remember who else was supposed to be. But then they decided to can that, too. So he brought it to Marvel and was like, can I do this with Spider-Man? And they're like, go for it. (laughs) I'm not sure Spider-Man would have been my first choice. No. But it's just so... Like, if I was to think Marvel, horror comics, Spider-Man would not be who came Well, and, like, if you had to do, like, takes place in a city, that would rule out a decent portion of Marvel horror stuff where they it tends to be like yeah kind of more out there but mm-hmm. like i feel like i would do a daredevil one of this before a spider-man but spider-man was a big deal like you know huge so, deal yeah and we might i i think this makes more sense in the fact of where it was inserted where spider-man just had like a death of a, of yeah, a friend Ned just died like many of the writers on the spider-man like main titles didn't know that that was going to happen. Like it just like happened in an event and they're like, what you killed Ned? What? Right. Uh, and he, the reason why this is a crossover and why we're able to cover it. So thank you for making this decision is the editors were like, we can't just have Spider-Man die for a, okay. I, I don't want to completely spoil the end of this comic, but Spider-Man is going to come back to life. <laughs> 
I mean, if you don't get that by the hand coming out of the right. grave in the third issue, I'm sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> right. But they didn't want him to be dead in one comic and just kicking in another comic. Right. That wouldn't make sense. Right. Although that's that's back when they really paid attention to things like this. Like if somebody was in an issue one month, they couldn't be in the same comic the same right. month or in a different comic the same month. It used to be a lot more of a big deal, whereas now they kind of will just say like, well, this takes place before. Yeah. Whatever issue. I mean, it's kind of interesting because the three issues, the first three issues all came out on the same day across three titles and are just labeled part one, part two, part three. Man, what a <laughs> what a comic book day. <laughs> right? Which makes me wonder how long this was. This one was, month. October? No, 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 oh. No, I know that it was it was a one month story. How long it had been In being the worked on. Yeah. Because Mike Zek and... Um, and Bob McCloud and Janet Jackson like had these completed issues. Right. That was now granted, um a few other people were I think inking the first issue, but like mm-hmm. in general it was like pumping it out. Can I I just I don't think I ever want to read another crossover again that doesn't have the same creative team across issues because I just it's so much better. <laughs> so much better that i think that you could extrapolate that to almost be like comic books in general and a lot of like you christina edelman's favorite comics that you have read tend to have these really consistent teams like you You love you want the issues to read once they're all together you want it to read like a book and I, i i just i love the term like the artistic whiplash when you have different artists throughout a story and it just really takes you out. I feel like you can almost get away with different writers a little bit more than different artists. Yeah. It, it's, I think it's a little easier, but yeah, sometimes it's just, it's just completely huge. And there's even some artists with similar styles that mm-hmm. you can like, for example, say like a Mike Deodato and, and Andrea Sorrentino, where they do a lot of negative space and use a lot of darkness. I think you could maybe get away with something like that. But uh, and then like back in the old days when everybody had to do house style anyway, I feel mm-hmm. like it was a little easier to get away with things like that. But yeah, it just it just makes for a better story. I war like I said, War of the Realms just wrapped up. That was that was a, a very similar sort of situation mm-hmm. to this, where it all came out like two a month for three months, nice contained series, full and completely done by the same team. Tells a great coherent story right. with coherent art and cohesive art in a really great way. That's why I think a lot of people are really stoked for House of X and Powers of Ten coming mm-hmm. up. Uh, that's going to date us a little bit. They're coming up in like a couple weeks because while each of the titles are different and the art teams are going to be different on each mm-hmm. title in the same title, it's going to be the same team throughout. Mm-hmm. It just, it just makes for better stuff. Indie, yeah. indie comics almost to a T do that. And that's why a lot of times they have delays because you have to wait for artists because they they take the longest. It's not it's not right. a bad thing. It just does not take as long to write a comic as it does to draw a comic. Uh, yeah, I just I feel like it's sloppy to do it any other way. Well, deadlines are deadlines. But it, it reminds me of the George R. R. Martin thing where he said like like a a fast book will be here now, but like a bad book will be bad forever. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really fair. I would rather have a story take longer to come out and be amazing than have it here faster. People, um, the the last Secret Wars that came out in 2015 had some delays, and it was, but it was the same artist on everything and people at the time were like real ticked about it but then a lot of people were just thinking like why like no one's give gonna... it the time it needs to be a good story right and when and it's it's considered to be one of the best crossovers ever and mm-hmm. definitely on the marvel side and i think now four years later i don't think anybody's looking back and going oh remember all these awful delays it really ruins <laughs> the story right it's just um... it's difficult in a serial medium yeah that's that uh, mm. it's the issue with issues. Ah! Uh. That was pretty good. <laughs> well, maybe we should dive a little more into this comic, yeah, which very much explores kind of the nature of fear a lot. Yeah. Oh, just every single character in this comic has sort of some moments with fear, including the bad guys, which I think is in very interesting. Yeah. I mean, Vermin's a really interesting sort of villain here. He th- he's uh uh Jam um Dematis and Mike Zek creation. Yep. And an, an original. An original. And they they just used him because they were like, oh we made this guy. Let's just yeah together. And Let's he, use I mean, him again. Fits I mean it almost feels you don't really get why you've got two villains, and you you don't get it right away anyway. Right. Uh, but they both fit into this this world and this story so nicely and in such an unsettling way. Right. Ugh. Craven has this kind of fear of not being as good as Spider Man, and it manifests in some interesting ways of mm-hmm. him being terrified of the spider and. In his hallucinations, a lot of what's interesting is you don't know how much is real. Yeah. Like, even in the first couple issues, there's, like, him, like, wrestling beasts, and he, like, punches a gorilla's head off or something, and you're like, is this really happening? Right, He's, like, naked and punches a gorilla's head off. (laughs) Yeah. But then, like, there's there's no, there's no, it's nothing after that to sort of say, like, this definitely happened or not, or if this is just all in his own making. And a lot of the spider stuff is the same, too. Like, did he even really ever eat eat spiders at all, or was that all in his head? I don't know. But, like, it wasn't even just eating, like, crawling on all fours to, like, Mm -hmm. lap up. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be spider juice or his potions or whatever. Maybe. But he was surrounded by spiders and drinking green liquid out of a bowl like a dog. (laughs) And it just so much. (sighs) Yeah, the the art team kind of created almost like a book with a sort of drippier style. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of it, like a lot of stuff, sort of seems like saturated and wet. Can I talk about how much I love when Craven tracks down uh, Spider-Man, and Spider-Man's been on this billboard, and the billboard behind him is for like uh, insect killer, and I was just like, "That's very clever." Uh... <laughs> I like the one bit in this entire comic where Spider-Man is joking. Is when he's talking to Craven and he has two thought bubbles going at the same time. This happens with a lot of the characters. They yes. have like kind of like a strange stream of consciousness with more like active thoughts mm-hmm. interjected. It's wonderfully written. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, so Spider Man has these thoughts about like, oh, he's just gonna dr- grab me and I'll like, we'll see where I wake up and mm-hmm. stuff. Meanwhile, he's like, 
why does he have there's like another one that's like why does he have the rifle and then it goes to the he's out of his yes and in each bang. panel mm-hmm. uh-huh so yeah you have the spider-man's thoughts on each of those panels and sh- different shots of different faces throughout those and- but meanwhile he's saying things like oh come on you never use guns craven i thought you wanted to pound me to death with your fist like he's like taunting taunting him. but like also like has these two levels of inner thoughts it's super cool it is really awesome uh, sometimes I think we say this more than once, but sometimes you get really in awe at what a comic can do. Like a movie couldn't have portrayed that. No, it would have been so jumbled. No way. Yeah, I think this is a really excellent example of something that is perfect for this medium. Yeah, and it's awesome, and <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. There's bits where craven is thinking and has kind of multiple disjointed thought bubbles mm-hmm. and or th- these are all kind of thought captions rather than thought bubbles right and then some of them kind of start to turn to the side mm-hmm. or look like they're being like cast aside or like surrounding him yeah yeah or we have some that are wind up a different color than the rest of, like that mm-hmm. different sizing mm-hmm. even because a lot of them are portrayed as somewhat non-linear. Like it, you, we, the reader, don't necessarily have to read it in order. We just have to know that it's present, right? Or that it's something that the that the character is experiencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to goof on a lot in this comic book. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't feel like a goofy Spider-Man story. Like it no. does, does not feel like what you think Spider-Man would be. But it is a very well done story. I can't fault that. No. What do you think of MJ in this comic where a lot of her inner conflict seems to be the fact that she has this secret that she has to keep, but she also ha- is worried about like her husband that she's got that is gone. But then she also has this other level of worry about like, should I even be worried or am I just being like, like a Frady cat wife? Oh my gosh. Like that. I mean, that's totally how I feel like all. So readers, there is this time that Chris like took our boys out on an errand. I think you guys were doing something for me for Mother's Day and it took longer than I thought it did. Mm-hmm. And Chris didn't answer his phone immediately. And I was just that horrible, like nagging wife. I'm like, they are dead. They are dead somewhere. I was like moments from calling the hospitals. Like I was checking traffic reports for accidents. Just And that was like an hour and a half. And Peter's gone for like two weeks. Yeah, it does say at some point that two weeks have passed, because when we get to the, the, the cops after the heroin bust, they mm-hmm. say, like, in the past couple of weeks, X people have ended up in the hospital. Right? And then you get the very police procedural of, well, this guy's not going to the hospital, because he's, right. he's, he's Craven killed him. Right. That's some real... I don't know, but it, it that what MJ's going through, I mean, I don't know how you go two weeks like that. I mean, I guess... Right away when Peter goes missing, she mm-hmm. goes out looking for him and, you know, feels like she's being kind of paranoid about it. And then Spider-Man shows up. She has this bed of relief before she realizes, oh, that's not that's not my Peter. Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't know. And it, it's interesting because they're not living together yet at this point. They're supposed to be moving in together. Like, they got married, but they're not living in the same place. Right. They haven't. So I don't know. And I just feel like she's... I want her to be less helpless right. throughout this. And she just seems like she's just helpless, fretting, worrying. She's just there to remind you that there's people who care about Peter and are missing him. 
Yeah. That's kind of an unfortunate usage of her. Mm-hmm. I like the way she's written, though. I feel like it is. It is. I don't. I don't like the the direction in which she has to go, but right. I think the way that she and her dialogue and like her voice mm-hmm. are written, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I thought it was it was pretty realistic to yeah. the situation. She's, she's like, I know what I signed up for. I know mm-hmm. my husband's a superhero, and he's been through all sorts of stuff before. So I just need to calm my stuff down because. You know, I'm probably worrying about nothing. Yeah, I think after two weeks, though, maybe you're worrying yeah. about something. But then she has to pivot to who is who is this new guy as well. Right. So, yeah, a lot goes down. Mm-hmm. I like the, the, the again, a, a huge theme of this is fear and Vermin's fear and how he, he seems to, everybody else seems to be overcoming fear slightly. Like Craven mm-hmm. overcomes his sort of fear of this of the spider to become the spider. Mm-hmm. Vermin overcoming his fear is going out into the streets and eating more people, and so you're kind of like, no, not you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's afraid of spiders a little bit too. You get that awesome page where you see him peeking up through the sewer grate with like his evil eyes and then a spider approaches and you get the big scared eyes and then suddenly the grate is closed. I nearly fist pumped at that because it was like wordless. Yeah. But it was it was such a great visual bit. That was like one of the only kind of funny bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it, it, it just shows you what a brilliant cartoonist can do with just a few panels. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Craven really hates commies. Sure he doesn't does. say it per se, but he's like, Russia used to be real good, mm-hmm. and then they kicked all the aristocracy out, and yeah. I found my civilization in the wilds. I, it, mm, <laughs> mm. <laughs> it does make you, Cra- Craven being like old money, you're like, oh, that's right, I, I, I'm supposed to not like you. So. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the problem with me encountering villains through the lens of Squirrel Girl. I get these really sweet ideas about them because villains and Squirrel Girl are all redeemable. Uh So I'm like, aw, Craven. And then I read this and I'm like, oh, (laughs) Craven, you did a bad wrong. Yeah, uh, which is funny because when he shows up in Squirrel Girl, like they have some serious talks about that time he killed Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't cool, Craven. <laughs> yeah, it's He's weird like... how something terrifying in twenty years just becomes kind of a little goofy line of dialogue. Right? Did I liked that this both seemed to foreshadow the eventual Spider-Man noir, because this is kind of a noir Spider-Man story, but also the superior Spider-Man storyline where a villain takes over a Spider-Man to quote unquote, do it better. Yeah. Yeah. Some, I thought that was probably my favorite part about this plot that Craven takes over as Spider-Man. Like, I feel like that just added a wonderful bit of, character to Craven and really interesting motivations beyond like anything like what we would have seen if it was the Joker and Batman. Like I feel like this story and what it is is perhaps better served by Spider-Man and Craven than it would have been with Yes, cuz DC. Craven's motivation of I I am not here to kill Spider-Man, I want to prove that I am the greatest. Right. 
Like, that's not a motivation you could give the Joker. No. The Joker would not try to Batman better than Batman right? did. <laughs> Although, now that that is a wild idea, now you think about it. But that's just not really a Joker thing. No. But it it's interesting how the story evolved from the layers of hand coming out of the ground to Craven's going to beat him and take over, but also vermin is loose. So Craven's going to have to take on vermin at some point. And just when, so after these three issues, if Spider-Man was truly dead, this would almost be an arc wrap up. Like if let's pretend that Craven is now Spider-Man for all eternity after that. But, and so you have these expectations of, Oh, this story is done. He's beaten vermin. And then with that, that cliffhanger hit, of the last mm-hmm. panel that has been that same panel has been at the bottom of the page for every periodic few pages with mm-hmm. the more and more spiders yeah. coming toward the grave mirroring the thing the from the grave. first issue with the grave digging. Uh-huh. Ah, it's so great. It really is. There's a lot of book ending and there's a lot of common motifs. I love it because it feels like a story just feels like a nice story it feels like a story that was conceived for the purpose of the story not as like it doesn't feel too messy it feels like it is a very simple straightforward we have like our three main characters with some tertiary characters and just very clear motivations that got slowly unveiled and there's not too much in there it's just the perfect amount of stuff yeah and pacing it doesn't feel little, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel overstuffed in a way that things can't properly be focused on. Right. And again, like when, when I said with the, and you think something's going to be popped up, you know, the whack-a-mole of, of Spider-Man coming back out, comes back up mm-hmm. to give us like another plot hit. I mean, it's perfect. And to think when these were coming out, you would get these three issues, you would end on that, and then you have to wait another month. Mm-hmm. For the final three to wrap it up. But I'm like, well, at least you knew that Spider-Man probably wasn't really dead. Right, but you don't know why. You yeah. don't know what's going to happen next. And the, and everything was only like 60 cents at the time or like a dollar. So you're like, whatever, I'll buy them all. <laughs> but yeah, the, not a ton of goof-em-ups in this story. But oh. I I think I feel like we just really enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, if I told you that a lot of people considered this to be like, if not the greatest Spider-Man story of all time, like top three, would you would you think that I was exaggerating? It is a really great story. It's still to me, even though it is, even though the fact that it is a Spider-Man story, I think makes it a really awesome story. To me, it still doesn't feel like what I imagine to be quintessential Spider-Man. Although I don't think I've read enough to really, I guess, be fair uh-huh. in, in that regard. But it's just not what I would think of when I think of Spider-Man. Although it is a very, very well done story. When we, when, when I get a chance, and maybe you get a chance, I'll, I'll, I'll try to direct you to the three issues that are considered the greatest Spider-Man story of all time. And see, are they goofy? Are they goofy? They're old. Oh. They're from like the old first. Old goofy. I don't remember them being. Am I going go- to laugh or am I going to cringe throughout the entire? I don't think issue. you're going to cringe. Okay. Because that, I just felt like I did that the entire time I was reading this. Okay. It's not just, going to do that. Uh, it's 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 more archetypally it's not okay. superhero. Okay. But I don't know. I don't think it was like yucks. It's Stan Lee writing. So it's just... Okay. So there is probably some yucks just based on the fact that Stan Lee can't... 
Stanley never found a word that he couldn't replace with three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really want to read these next three issues. I think you've already read them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I read the whole six, like, weeks ago, because it just, it just was such a nice, it was like a quick read, but I feel like it's a story that you could read a dozen times and still see new things every time that you read it. Hmm. So, but yes, I have devoured all of it. Not that it was a big undertaking. Yep. You, it gave you the creepy crawlies. Yes. It, it gave you the, 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 the craft nods. Mm-hmm. You know, this was, this was a comic where they're like, this has notes of drippy spider ichor but also a lot of cool word balloons and or word captions. And you take like a drink and you're like, oh, that is a nice oaky sort of uh, mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a this is a comic that if it was in beer form, Budweiser ads would make fun of it. <laughs> for being for being very crafty. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. Uh, OK, so what kind of beer would it be? What style? I think this is an oatmeal stout. I do like a good stout. I know you do. <laughs> I always get them and I'm like, oh gosh, this is like a meal. Why did you I always do get this? imperial stouts too. Which are like, tastes so good. <laughs> like but syrup. I only need like one for over a period of like four hours. Like I could <laughs> drink the same one if it would just stay cold. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. It always warms up by the time you're done. <laughs> All right, well, Christy, uh, are you ready for our accolades? Yeah, let's get to accolades. Christy, what is the best line of this issue, of these three issues of comic books? My best line comes from MJ. Uh, when she is, um, she's got those those dudes that are kind of leering at her and like, yep. can I tell? I mean, they've got terrible catcall game. They're like, hey, tight pants, come show us your red hair. It's real bad. It's real bad. <laughs> it's not even, that's not even like a, <laughs> if I said you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? Yeah, it, it's just awful. Um, but I love her response to it, which is, here's an old Latin fr- phrase that applies perfectly to this situation. Maybe you've heard it. Get stuffed. <laughs> That was pretty good. I think I almost picked that one. Uh, but I picked my best line is from Vermin, mm-hmm. who is peeking his head out of the sewer and says, show them that I can come out of the dark whenever I. And then he sees the spider and drops. And then you just see the clang of the yes. sewer. It's pretty good. Uh, that is a really fun moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as he creeps me out, like you kind of. He definitely you almost ate get a, a lady. Soft, you almost get a soft spot for him, and then he eats people, and then you're just like, mm, this is really discordant right now. There's that really big panel of him licking that police officer's face, and you're like, oh, that's oh right, he's gosh, the worst. He's awful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who is your greatest hero? My greatest hero is Mary Jane for just kind of doing her best in this whole situation. Just trying to kind of figure stuff out. Yeah, yeah. This was really hard for me because I didn't feel like there was much heroics happening here. No. It was kind of like the villains were winning Uh for most of this. So I gave my greatest hero to the cop that shot Vermin. 
Oh, and then got like div- like then mauled by rats. No, oh no, 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 the lady cop. The lady cop shoots oh. him, and then she gets licked, which she is does. unfortunate. Yeah, licked while he says, "I love you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. But like, she she got a lick in. She she, did. Uh, she kept her partner somewhat safe. Like, we don't find out that he dies, just that he's no. like hospitalized. Yeah, he goes to the hospital. <laughs> So I'm like, I it's guess this is heroics. Like, I never thought in my superhero comic I would choose the greatest hero as the cop that shoots the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, it's just what you get. So what do you think the coolest moment is? Oh, my coolest moment has to be the page where Spider-Man gets shot and we assume he's dead. Uh-huh. The he's out of his and then blam. And then we get the panel of black right after that. And then just down to the grave again, the shoot, shoot the grave being dug i just thought that was such a really cool impactful moment because you get that panel of you know spider-man caught in this web and then he thinks he's seeing joe face and then it's back to spider-man in the web and then he sees craven with a gun and it just it's it's great when it when this comic ramps up it does it in this like staccato way mm-hmm. where you're like oh man man beat 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 and it like the he's out of his i feel like my eyes were moving in a way that was like, he's out of his, like, flash, 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 flash. It was it was crafted in a cool way. I gotta give the coolest moment to the hand coming out of the grave, because it was foreshadowed, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. just super cool. Mm-hmm. Alright, um, I want to tell you who my silly villain is. There wasn't a lot of silly villainy in this. A little bit. I would argue that a lot of the villainy was kind of silly to me. I'm gonna give it to Craven for, like, being like, I'm the spider. No, not yet. I'm not the spider. I'm the spider. I'm not the spider. I've I've eaten spiders and I've killed the spider, but now I need to fight like this weird primal spider that I'm very afraid of. That's maybe just my own hallucinations. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a daily double here, um, but the specific panels I have actually come from two different spots. But the spot really where he laps up his I don't know. He 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 had herbs and roots and juices, poisons, fruits and flowers. Let them pervade your mind wider it shatter your cravenness. Mm-hmm. So you could become the spider. I don't know. Yep. And then the panel where he's in the room just like bathing in spiders and <laughs> eating them. <laughs> Why? You don't need to do that, Craven. <laughs> he does though. You just had to put on the suit. Nope. He decided that wasn't good enough. Oh my gosh. It's a whole lot. It is. Well, readers, that's going to conclude our tale today. This horror comic, I almost feel like uh, I need to throw sawdust in the fire and the tale of Craven's Last Hunt. <laughs> Are you afraid of the of, of the of the Spider-Man bad guy? <laughs> Submitted for your approval to the Spider-Man Society. Uh, it's interesting to me that these comics were approved by the comics code. Yeah, that's wild. I feel like by the 80s, the comics code was like, whatever, just don't put sex in it. Right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in this. Yeah. Oh, by the end, there will be blood. I mean, there's already been some blood. There's more blood. Okay. Well, I'll look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, readers, thank you for joining us. You can, as always, uh, send us send us your fan emails 
Uh, who knows? We may even read them out on the show to Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Chris's Pod. I actually tweeted today and it wasn't just announcing an episode. Yeah, we're kind of bad about that. Sorry, guys. Yeah, there's some people who are really good at tweeting from their from their podcast Twitters. But a lot of those people, that's their only account. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, what do so, you do? So, you know, win some, you lose some. We talked about Patreon earlier, but if you uh, feel uncomfortable with recurring donations and want to just give us all of your money in a lump sum, you can find the Kofi link in the show notes where you can give us donations in $3 increments from $3 to six hundred and sixty six dollars. I knew you were gonna do that. How did I know that? Because <laughs> this is the horror episode. Oh yeah, yeah. <sighs> and uh, that will be most excellent <laughs> and spooky. <laughs> Curse us with six hundred and sixty six dollars, please. <laughs> uh, I'd gladly take the curse. <laughs> I once worked at a place where someone's bill came to $6.66 and the manager gave them a slight discount because she felt uncomfortable ringing that amount up. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. We do not feel uncomfortable ringing that amount up, so you go for it. <laughs> all right, readers, thank you for listening. And until next time. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>